Every holiday season, we see the words hope, peace, joy, and love. But we rarely feel this way. Too often we try to fill the void with songs, gifts, and family gatherings, but we are left longing for more. In the midst of this holiday season, where do we look to find these things? There is only one true bringer of hope, one true bringer of peace, one true bringer of joy, and one true bringer of love. His name is Jesus, for unto us a Savior is born, and Christmas is only the beginning of better things to come. Yes, it is. I'm so grateful that you're here, that you chose to worship together with us today. Before we dive into the content of my message, I want to play a little game. This game goes by different names. Some people call this pick your poison. Some people call this this or that. I want to call this game, What Do You Love? Okay, so here's how it works. You're going to play with whoever you came with. Uh, Saddle up next to somebody in the row. Uh, You can award bonus points if you guess the same thing. You pick the same thing as mom if she happens to be with you. Ready? Let's do this. Who do you love? Who's a lover? Who's a fighter? Do you love a snowball fight or a good building the snowman session? Go ahead and decide amongst yourselves. Choose what do you love? All right, how about this one? Moving right along. Do you love a good Christmas dinner? Who are the fancy folks in the crowd? Or Christmas morning breakfast? This is our tradition as a family. We don't eat those highfalutin cinnamon rolls. We do the ones where you break them open on the side of the counter. That's the way we do it. And about a gallon of coffee. All right, what do you love? What about this one? Ugly sweater? or fancy Christmas outfit. I've seen some of you this morning. You've already voted by your attire. By the way, regardless of what you're wearing, turn to whoever's next to you right now and say, you look good. Go ahead and do that. You look good, and you do. All right, how about this one? Elf on the shelf or literally anything else? We have some young parents in the space right now that feel seen. Here at Adventure, we seek Jesus, we see you. I'm so grateful my kids have aged out of that era. All right, how about this? What do you love? Do you like to get up early on Christmas Day or do you prefer to sleep in? Again, I'm grateful for teens, young adults. We've aged out of that one. I'm going to start a fight here for the way home. This is a battle of the genders. What do you love? Wrapped presents or gift bags? Dudes, I see you. A gift bag counts. What do you love? How about this one? Last but not least, this is where the real fight breaks out. Elf or Christmas vacation? So I watched both this year. As a child of the 80s, it pains me to say this, but I literally turned to my wife, Dawn. We were watching Chevy Chase. I'm sitting on the couch. And I turned to her and I said, this movie has a bit of a pacing issue. I don't know if it's, I've been conditioned, my attention span, I don't know what the deal is, but it it felt kind of slow to me. Speaking of pacing, the story that we're going to dive into together today is an ancient story. God has been pacing this story for a very long time. Let me give you a sneak peek at our outline. I want to start in this storyline in the middle of the crescendo moment of the story. That's where we're going to start. 
Then we're going to skip back to the end of the first act. Then we're going to land the plane, you and I together, at the beginning of the end of the story. Some of you are going to turn to your spouse right now and say, how many metaphors can he mix in one paragraph? Well, there you go. Let me catch you up real quick. We've been doing a series all through December called It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like Christmas. Somebody ought to write a song. And each week, we've been doing this thing with an Advent wreath. Some of you, you know exactly what this is. Maybe you grew up in a tradition that celebrates this. I didn't. Uh, quite honestly, adventure, this is something kind of novel for us this year. What I haven't talked about yet this month is some of the symbolism that happens even in the wreath. I learned this. I'll share it with you. It's made of evergreen bows. Why? Because God's love continues even in the darkest months of the year, wintertime, evergreen. It's round to symbolize the same thing. His love doesn't have a beginning and an end. It's, linear, it's not linear in nature. It's ongoing. It never ends. Each week, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. We've talked about one of these candles. We started with hope, the prophecy candle. Then we talked about peace, the Bethlehem candle. Oh, little town of Bethlehem, how still we see the lie, peace. Last week, we looked at joy, and we lit that candle. Today, the title of this message is, It's Looking Like Joy. And I'm going to light, nope, love. I'm going to light the love candle. It looks like love. Maybe you noticed the middle of the wreath. There is the Christ candle. We're going to hold on, and we're going to celebrate with that one here in just a minute. It looks like love. By the way, some of you are here today because somebody loves you, and they've invited you to join them. I'm so glad that you're with us today. I want to dive into the crescendo moment in the middle of the story. If you want to join me, I'm on page 1027 in those Bibles that are underneath the seat in front of you. You can go there if you'd like. Keep me honest. Make sure that I'm reading what the text says. If you want to join me, I'm in Luke chapter 2, verse 9. We read this a bit earlier. It's tough to compete with cute kids. The girls did an incredible job with that. But I, but I want to zero in on a couple of verses that they just read. It's ancient times. The shepherds are out in their fields. It's dark. I wonder if they're afraid of the dark. Let's read together. Verse 9. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. That word is a big word. They were scared. They were terrified. We've talked about that each week for good reason. That had to be a scary moment. But they were a little jumpy to begin with. We talked about this week one. They lived with the boot of Rome on their neck. They were already a little bit jumpy. Let me ask you this question. When's the last time you were scared? When's the last time 
I was thinking about that this past week. You know how on Facebook it does that thing where your memories pop up? I had a memory pop up from five years ago. We were remodeling our kitchen. I wanted to put a bit of a spray booth in my basement, and so I'm spraying the, the fronts, the cabinet doors. And my wife saw that, and she thought it was a little spooky look, and she started referring to it as the murder booth. Here's a picture she took. Maybe some of you have seen Dexter, and you get it. A little bit of good-natured teasing starts going back and forth, and then I, I have a mild fear. I don't like clowns. I don't like them. Why? Because I have the gift of wisdom. There's something just wrong about an adult man dressed up, makeup on his face. He doesn't feel like he's happy, but he paints a smile on his face. I don't, I don't like it. She knew this. Next time I go down to do the work that I'm doing, this is what I see. Let's go in a little closer, shall we? <laughs> Scared the snot out of me. That just fueled her. That just encouraged her. So skip ahead one year. Now I'm serving as the lead pastor here at Venture. It's Christmas time. I walk into this space. You can tell by the de decorations on the stage we're gearing up for Christmas Eve <laughs> services. Not cool. Now, Santa Claus happened to be here that day, and so I said, Santa, I need you to help me do my light work. And he stepped in, and this is what he did. Thank you, Santa. Don't be afraid to get in there and mix it up. Santa, when's the last time you were scared? Well, word got out, and I, oh my goodness, I tend to get here to the church building early on Sundays, Sunday mornings. Sometimes it's dark outside, nobody's here yet. I walk in and somebody else, this one wasn't my wife, the word began to spread. Somebody snuck this one into my office. I'm so thankful I didn't see this out in the middle of the woods during deer season. Otherwise, there'd be a little hole right here and two little holes. <laughs> Scared the snot out of me. What are you afraid of? It doesn't matter what I get for Christmas tomorrow. Doesn't matter. I've already received my favorite present, both in the gift itself and the experience that it offered. We're together with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law last week, a couple weeks ago, and my brother-in-law, Scott, he went all out. He wrapped my presents, you see here, he's jammed a sacrificial arrow down through them. I unwrap this, I can't wait to see what's inside. I unwrap this. He's, it's hollow on the inside, and he's stuffed my present up on the inside. That arrow was for me to go into the backyard the next day, shoot that clown with an arrow. Some of you are like, well, you missed. No, 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 they're like vampires. You don't aim for the head. That, it's the heart. Inside that was my present. I had to shoot it out. How cool is that? Kids, do you want to know what's inside the clown? You want to know what my present was? I'm not going to tell you yet. Just like Christmas, you don't get to unwrap the present today. You have to wait till tomorrow morning to unwrap. I'm going to tell you what was inside that at the end of this message. Hang with me. What are you afraid of? What are you scared of? Just to be clear, we would have all been scared. Let's go back to the angels and the shepherds. 
What does it even mean where the text says an angel appeared or that the glory of the Lord shone around them? I bet it was bright. I bet it was loud. And just so we're clear, if I had been one of those shepherds, I would have said every sheep for themselves, I'm out of here. But before the shepherds could run, here's what happened next. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. We talked about this last week. This is good news for all the people. It's even in the language there. There's good news for Jews, good news for Greeks, good news for Romans. Those words are packed with meaning. It's good news for all the people. This not-so-silent, super-loud announcement of Jesus being born is good news. It was a big announcement. It probably felt bigger to them than it does to us right now. Why? Because it had been, get this, we don't talk about this very often. It had been 400 years since they had heard from God. The volume had been turned down for a long time before Jesus was born. It had been 400 years, no preachers, no prophets, no instructions, no encouragement, no commandments, no words, nothing. 400 years. I live in Noblesville. We celebrated a bicentennial this past year. Got me thinking, our country's getting ready to celebrate a big birthday in two years. 250 years, I don't really remember the 200th bicentennial, but I'm looking forward to celebrating this one. What do you call 250 years? Well, I'm glad you asked. You could call it a semi-quincentennial. That's too hard to say. Apparently, you could also call it a sesterquincentennial. I'm not going to use that word. How about this? I like this. Quarter millennial. 250 years. That means it's been 250 years since our first president chopped down some cherry trees, since he chomped with wooden teeth. 250 years sounds like a long time to me, but it had been almost twice that amount of time since God's people had heard from him. The shepherds, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents had not heard from God, and they probably couldn't remember a time when anybody on the planet had heard from God. Now, if you don't hear from your friend, that makes you ask some questions, right? Like, are they mad at me? Do they still like me? Do they hate me? Am I in trouble? Are we fighting? I didn't even know we were fighting. And I imagine that after 400 years of silence from God, his people might be asking that. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you wouldn't use the same words. But would some of you ask that question? Is God mad at me? Maybe you've wondered, God, do you even hear my prayers? God, are you out there to hear me when I call? If you have felt that, you're not alone. I suspect the shepherds heard that. I suspect the shepherds felt that before they heard from God. And when God showed up, it wasn't just a text message. What are the kids saying now? Bruh, we're cool? No. No, the angelic choir. In Jesus, this is how God communicates. 
He sends Jesus a real, physical, in-person version of himself. You know what's wild? It had been 400 years since they had heard from God, but 300 years before that, so for a total of 700 years before Jesus comes, remember I said we're going to start in the middle of the crescendo moment of the story, then we're going to jump back to the end of the first act before we land the plane at the beginning of the end of the story. This is the end of the first act. We just sang the song a bit ago with the lyrics. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, this is God calling the shot 700 years before Jesus is born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him, we know him as Jesus. Emmanuel, again, power is in the word. It literally means God is with us. God sends an in-person representative of himself. This is good news, but why? Because of what Jesus goes on to tell us that God is really like. This was his message, that God, we just lit the candle, God was love. God was love. Jesus echoed that language in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You know it as the touchdown verse, chapter 3, verse 16. He's having a conversation with a dude named Nicodemus. This is read in my Bible. Jesus is describing himself when he says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. In other words, you didn't have to wonder what God thought. Was God mad? Was he distant? Was he frustrated? No, no, no. I recently reconnected with a college buddy. His name's Ryan. His dad, we know him as Dr. Rick. We spent some time with Dr. Rick with one of our boys. Jordan was a little boy. We adopted four of our five kids, and Jordan had a thing. As a child of the 80s, I don't like this title, RAD. There was nothing RAD about this. It stands for Reactive Attachment Disorder. Some of you, if you live and move in adoption circles, you understand what some of this is about. Basically, it's about the ability to bond in a significant way with another person. In the middle of this therapy that we're doing, Dr. Rick looks Dawn and I in the eyes, and he gives us some good language, some coaching to use, including this phrase. I can love a boy who hits me. I can love a boy who calls me horrible names. I can love a boy who calls my wife horrible names. I can love a boy. I can love a boy. I can love. We ask him, Dr. Rick, what's this about? He's a psychologist. He quotes a passage of Scripture to us. I love this verse. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, what are you afraid of? If you are, lean into this verse. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. What are you afraid of? He was describing to us, Dr. Rick, that, you know, a lot of that 
fight or flight stuff, his brain stem, reptilian brain stuff. He says we need to use love as an active tool to move this to the processing space in the brain, the amygdala. Perfect love casts out fear. What are you afraid of? I listened to a podcast this past week, The Inventor of the Infinite Scroll. This guy who's made billions of dollars for social media companies. Why? Because they've got you hooked. He said this. I thought this was so interesting. He said that this right here is a race to the bottom of the brainstem. What are you afraid of? What is it as you scroll that makes your heart pound faster, that induces fear in your heart? What is it that maybe you're afraid of that you're seeking to avoid, and this is an avoidance technique to get caught in the infinite scroll? What are you afraid of? Can we move past silly things like clowns? When I was in sixth grade, it was my job to take the trash out to the burn barrel. We were doing our part. We lived in the country. We were trying to put a hole in the ozone layer so we would burn our trash. It's Christmas, boxes, wrapping paper. It's dark outside. I walk outside to burn the stuff, and I realize in that moment, it's not that I'm afraid of the dark. It's that I'm afraid of the things that go bump in the dark. What are you afraid of? We have a daughter that's doing some missions work overseas right now. She's in Vietnam, and she's going to go to the Philippines. And I don't want to say I'm scared, but I do feel a heightened nervousness. I'm praying for her. I'm a little bit nervous, maybe anxious. Parents, you probably can relate to that. Somebody here has recently received a diagnosis. What are you afraid of? Your heart pounds faster. Maybe even worse yet, somebody here has a loved one who has recently received a diagnosis. Let's call it what it is. Are you afraid of dying? I do funerals occasionally. There is a marked contrast when I officiate a funeral and the family knows that loved one is with Jesus. Marked contrast between that it reminds me of the passage in, in Scripture that says, the Apostle Paul says, we grieve, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. What are you afraid of? Are you afraid of dying? God was love. This is the message that the shepherds received, and that was the good news that the angels came to tell the shepherds. Sending Jesus was the loudest possible message God could send to tell us what he's like and that he's thinking about us and that God was love for all the people. I said, uh, we're going to start in the middle of the crescendo moment. Then we're going to jump back to the end of the first act. Then I want to land the plane at the beginning of the end of the story. Buckle up. Here's the landing. Why is it the beginning of the end? Because this is where you Join the story. It's not just that God was love. God is love. That message that was true in Jesus' day, that was true 700 years even before that, is true today. God is love. What are you afraid of? Let me say it this way. God loves us, and nothing will ever change that. 
Jesus' message shouts that there's a blurry line between life and death. There's a blurry line between this life and the life to come. What are you afraid of? All right, kids, I promised. Can I tell you what was inside that clown that I got to shoot at? Can I, can I tell you what present I received? Are you ready? This is show and tell, actually. I'm going to show you what I got. This is the coolest present I have gotten yet this year. Check this out. I didn't say it was the coolest looking present. How bright is that, right? I can walk around. I can take trash to the trash barrel in the middle of the night. Why? Because I can see everything. I can change the oil at midnight if I'd like. Some of you, check this out. Oh, I can spotlight you from here. How, about, how fun is that? Not to put too fine a point on it. You don't have to be scared of the dark. You don't have to be scared of things that go bump in the dark. What are you afraid of? Jesus. Remember I said there's a Christ candle. Jesus is the light of the world. He said it himself. John chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Here in a moment, we're going to feel the warm glow of that light leave here, spreading throughout the room. And then we want to spread it out in the world. Let me say it this way. Because of Jesus, you, because of Jesus, you can know that God loves you. Do you? Do you know that? Listen, if you're here and you've ever wondered if God is mad at you, if you've ever wondered if God wants you here or if God wants to be friends with you, let Jesus be the answer to that question. Emmanuel, God with us. Hope, peace, joy, love, they can be yours. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to question it. You don't have to prove anything for God to be crazy about you. You don't have to be super holy. You don't have to know all the verses to all the words of every song. You don't. You don't have to be here every single week. Let me be clear. We want you here. We desire to live in community with you, but you don't earn some kind of a gold star. You have to earn your way into God's good graces by showing up. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to think a certain way. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to do anything to prove that God is crazy about you because nothing that changed about that changes the reality of God's love for you. And Jesus proves it. Jesus is God who left heaven to live among us. He wasn't interested in power or fame or special treatment. He was interested in one thing, a relationship with us and demonstrating his love to us. So he became a human. He lived with us to make sure that message was loud and clear. Who we are, not what we've done, brought Jesus to earth. Hear me, hear me. And who we are is loved. 
Would you bow your heads with me? I would like to offer an invitation. I just wonder if there's somebody here today and you've been asking those questions. Can I just tell you, my God is in love with you. One of my favorite Christian thinkers refers to him as the hound of heaven. He's chasing you down. Can you feel him? He's pursuing you. Why? Because he loves you. So with every head bowed and with every eye closed, this really is a moment between you and God. I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. Could I invite you to simply reflect on the news, the good news? We read the word is gospel. We read it in the text just a minute ago. In a nutshell, here's how the story went. Romans chapter 3 says that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. That includes me. Romans chapter 6 says the wages or the penalty, if you will, for sin is death. What we deserve is eternal separation from a loving God. I love Romans 5. It says, but God demonstrates his love to us in this while we were yet sinners. The great exchange. Christ died after living a blameless life. He died on the cross so that if any of us call on his name, the text goes on. He gives us the right to be called sons and daughters. That's me. That can be you. The whole Bible is a picture of a loving heavenly father who pursues us. Some of you have been sitting there. Your head's been spinning the last 20 minutes. Your stomach has churned. I believe that's my God pursuing you. But my God is a gentleman. He asks. He invites you to respond. He offers salvation as a free gift, but he wants you to reach out and accept it. He desires you to take the first step in receiving his free gift. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, if you'd like to take that first step, could I simply invite you to right where you're sitting, you begin that conversation with God. You could repeat after me in your heart this prayer. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your free gift of love. I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your grace. I recognize that I'm a sinner, and I desire your forgiveness. Father, I uh, pray for the individuals that just prayed that prayer. I'd ask for you to walk in front of them, to illuminate their path, Lord, let them sense your presence in a powerful way as they take first steps in following you right now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, could I encourage you? That's a first step. It's real simple. Basically, if you just count to five, this is the process. You just took a step of faith. That's belief. The second step I'd invite you on is a step of repentance. Repentance is just a fancy word. It says, I'm going this direction. I stop, I turn around, and I go this way. Step three, we just witnessed one of those. Baptism, yeah. Step four is forgiveness. God grants forgiveness. He's faithful and just to forgive. 
Step five is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to remember all of those right now. Here's what I would encourage you to do. Here in a moment, when the service is done, if you just pray that prayer, my friend Tony Johnson and my friend Joy, you just met her a bit ago, will be hanging out over here under the cross. They would love nothing more than to pray with you, to encourage you, to help you with some of those next steps and to walk with you in the first steps of your journey. Come up and tell them, hey, I just prayed that prayer with Pastor Stan. And they'd love to help you with next steps. I'm proud of you. I'm grateful for that decision you just made. Could I get everyone to stand up with me right now? We lit the Christ candle. I'm going to invite the ushers that are going to distribute the light through the room to come up here and join me. And as we do this, can I simply remind you that God was love. But it's not just past tense, it's present tense as well. It's not just that he was love, it's that God is love. And you can, because of Jesus, you can know that God loves you. He said it very clearly, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said in the Sermon on the Mount, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and stick it under a bushel, barrel, basket. No, no, no. They put it in a lampstand in a prominent place in the house so that the whole house can be seen by it. Hey, on behalf of our staff team, on behalf of our elder teams, on behalf of Dawn and I here at Venture, can we simply wish you a Merry Christmas filled with light, filled with love, and filled with life. We know him as Jesus. Let's worship him right now.